to this episode of Hammering Down presented to you by Birmingham Sports. I'm your host, Kale Hodges. I'm hoping you're having a great one. Yeah, this is going to be a fun episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. I was joined by Fat Let's Go and Goals own Mr. Mark Watson. Dude is just a great uh, Tom. He is a great entertainer, and I had a great time talking to him. So go ahead and get comfy, and this is going to be a great, great podcast. I think you're really going to enjoy it. But before we start, I do want to throw out there, there's a little bit of swearing in this. If you don't like that, I'm so sorry. Uh, something I said episode one, I want to reiterate it, is that I'm never going to censor my guest. Me, myself, I'm not going to swear or cuss on this podcast. But if my guest does, I, that's on them. I believe that not censoring somebody leads to the best interview. So if you don't like that, I'm sorry. Um, but I really do think you should listen to it because it's a great interview talking about cultural differences. And I learned a lot of things. Like, did you know they don't allow beer to be near the field <laughs> in England? You, they can't, you can't have a beer near the field at all. Learned that during this podcast, so I thought that was really interesting. So, without any further ado, let's go and get into this. Grab yourself some Red Diamond coffee or tea, and let's get into it. Alright, welcome to this episode of Hammering Down. I'm your host, Keller Hodges, and I am joined by one of the hosts of Fat Lads Go and Goal, uh, a podcast I listen to every single time they come out with something. Uh, one of the most influential blues fans, at least in the American side of things, Mr. Mark Watson. How you doing, man? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Uh, doing well. Just got off work. Just glad to be off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't listened to the Fat Lads um if their podcast, something they always do, or almost always, is have some kind of drink review. So to <laughs> make sure things start off with a happy note, because I'm sure it won't stay like this forever, we're going to start off with a drink review. What do you have today, Mark? I have one. It's actually top of our, we do a beer league, and it's top of our beer league. I've got Skinny Lager, um, which is absolutely bloody lovely. It, you probably can't get it over there. Um, you can get it on Amazon in the UK. Whether you can in, in the States, I'm not sure, but it is gorgeous. It scored way above all the all the commercial brands. Um, and it's a, it's a diet beer, which being a fat git like me is helpful. <laughs> but no, it's crisp, it's fresh, it's light, it's lovely. Good to hear. Mine I'm having today is Lazy Magnolia Southern Pecan. It's a dark, it's a brown ale. Uh, it's out of Mississippi. It, luckily, it's not a, or unfortunately, it's not an Alabama brew, but it's just right up with our sister state. So Mississippi can do one thing right, and it's brew a good beer. <laughs> so, well, what would you give? We always rate them out of ten, and give me a, a rating out of ten for that, and I'll stick it on the beer league. This is not my favorite beer of all time, but this uh -huh. one is a solid. I give this one a nine, also because of bottling. It tastes good. It's about an eight, but also mm. if you, you can't really see it, but it tells you exactly what it's perfect to eat with. So this, oh, okay. is, this pairs great with steak, burgers, and chocolate. And wow, it'll, okay. even it'll even tell you what day it was brewed and bottled. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> as just as, well, this one's got a load of chemicals written on it. Um, <laughs> it could be chemicals. It could be a foreign language. Other than I ain't got my glasses on. Either way, I will stick that on the beer review for the next episode. Good to hear. 
All right, so let's just go ahead and start with this. And the something that I've never been out of out of the country before, so I've never experienced football outside of outside of America. For you guys with with the Blues with Birmingham City, you guys have all sorts of reputations. One of my favorites <laughs> that I've heard is that you guys are some of the most violent. Just just starts all kinds of fights over there, which I think is awesome. And not only that, you guys take a lot of pride in that. Generally, what's the match day experience like for you guys? And is that accurate? Yeah, just as a disclaimer, in case my employer's watching. <laughs> not me. I don't fight. <laughs> but we are known to to fight a bit. Um, it, it's more um, it's more of a, a 70s and 80s thing than anything. Uh, you will get the youth of today who claim that they're still... We, we call the Zulus uh, our hooligan... Our hooligan uh, faction i suppose uh which comes from the fact that we were one of the first uh football support groups to have uh members of all ethnicities ethnicities in it uh which is where they got the zulu warriors from um but they're not really around now obviously policing is a lot better um there's cameras at every game you go to a game now and there's police standing in the like looking at the away end with a camcorder and they're filming everyone and everything so you can cause trouble but you are on camera and you're not going to get very far from that ground after. Um, nowadays, a standard a standard game day is go to the pub, um, drink as much as you can, as quick as you can, um, but not so much that you can't stand up and can't physically get into the ground after. Um, I don't know what it's like for you, but we can purchase beer on the concourse in the back of the ground. We can't take it pitch side. You can't drink beer in view of the pitch in English football. Really? Um, really, you can in rugby and cricket and all those, but football garnered such a reputation for violence that now it doesn't really make sense because you can get absolutely paralytic out the back, <laughs> take two steps forward, and suddenly you can't drink there. It makes no sense, but there, those are the rules, and that's what they they stick by. Um, and then you watch the Blues kick off at three. You watch them concede at five past three. They probably concede again at ten past three and quarter past three. By half three, you're pretty suicidal. Um, half time, go and drink a bit more. Watch us probably concede more in the second half. Um, no, it's not really that bad. Um, and then, yeah, that's it, really. And then a lot of people in Birmingham stay out and go uptown. Uh, there's quite a few clubs around the ground. Um, but not me, because I'm too old for that now. So most of my listeners are from America, but I'm assuming... I mean, I have a few that listen from the UK, from England, and I'm sure with you being on, I'm going to have a lot more. So Hopefully. I'm probably going to be educating you know, some people on your end for us, the big thing, this kind of starts, I think with American football tradition, I know it's massive here is the idea of a tailgate. Um, basically everybody just gets into a parking lot. They all start cooking food together. They all start grilling out, making barbecue, making burgers, whatever, all everybody kinds of, it's a BYOB, bring your own beer kind of thing. And everybody just sits around and has a good old time until we have our March inside the stadium in which we not only can we have beer next to the pitch, but if you have, um, so the way our stadium's set up is that you can sit on the field itself. Um, there is no, there's a on-field seating and then there's stadium sitting. Mm. And if you're on the field, typically you have a little bit more money and, oh, you'll, okay. have, and you'll have a, uh, you'll have a waitress or a waiter come up to you and just ask really if you want beer. Yeah. They'll just start 
they'll just be like, oh, we'll just add this to your tab or just pay us right now, and they'll give okay. you here right there. So something a little different. Wow. Yeah, that that's uh, – yeah. The idea of, of me trusting football fans with, like, open flames before a game uh, just w- wouldn't happen. <laughs> like, no. Um, yeah. Being able to bring anything inside the ground um, has the potential of being used as a missile, essentially. Um, there was one – there was one game, I forget who, it might have been against Villa or someone like that. Uh, and our owners decided to put these, um, they're like paper clappers, basically. They're, they, they're like fan-shaped and you're supposed to hit them against your hand and it makes a noise. But they also get thrown very far. And within five minutes, the pitch was just littered with these things. And in fact, I'm sure it was the Villa because the corner flag was just full of these these paper things. And yeah, I think the club got fined for that. But they learned let's not let any fans take anything in. Um, it's not, I'm probably painting it really badly. It's not that aggressive. Um, I don't know. It depends who we're playing. Well, see, for us, um, something that's kind of hard to explain, I guess, to fans who didn't grow up with a, you know, with, without a team for all your life. Because if I remember right, you uh, Birmingham City were founded in what? Uh, 70, 1875? 1875, yeah. Yeah. So the Legion were founded 2018. Yeah. Um, so it's a totally different thing because for a lot of us, there was a team before the Legion. It's mm. They were the Hammers, but that even goes back to 14. The idea of football being picked up and being a big tradition is one thing. For us, American football is our thing that goes all the way back. Yeah. So it's kind of hard for everybody to understand, I guess, just how passionate you're supposed to be. Um, Yeah, I think think part of what it is as well, America is such a a vastly huge place. It's monstrous in size. Um, With us, on my street, there will be Villa fans, um, and when I grew up, there would undoubtedly be Liverpool fans and Man United fans, the, the glory hunters. You At my school, there will be probably fans of seven or eight teams, um, but they're all living on top of each other. And this rivalry is within your own family. Whereas you guys, when I mean, your, your local rival being Memphis, they are, what, how many hours or four hours away, something like that? Um, the chance of you working with a Memphis fan, for example, is probably quite slim. I work with three Villa fans, a Wolves fan and a Baggies fan, two Warsaw fans, which are all local Birmingham-ish teams, like West Midlands teams. Um, and I think you're, you, you're only really, your, your banter is onlo- online. Uh, you don't, I'm guessing you don't really have away fans, do you? Uh, we, we actually do. Um, yeah. It's it's really big in MLS. Um, you have a lot more away fans then. Last year mm. wasn't a really good representation because we had a COVID year, even though fans yeah. were allowed. But I mean, away fans are big, especially ones that are in the southeast. So, mm. um, like you said, our biggest rivals are you know the closest one we have is two and a half, three hours away. Mm. Um, that's the next closest team that we are eligible to play. Um, so usually, if it's within eight to 10 hours, there's a good away day, Mm. but anything further than that, it's a pretty rough chance because our first year, 2000, I guess 2019 would have been our first year. Um, we had a few people go to Canada for Ottawa Fury, which was, 
uh, and that's a solid, I think it was an 18 hour drive. Oh my God. <laughs> and I've never driven that far in my life. <laughs> imagine, but that's the thing is that those people are in our league. It's not like that was a champions league or a Europa yeah. day, you know, Europa league. That yeah. was a team we're supposed to play twice that year. <laughs> yeah. Which is ridiculous. I mean, if you look at, I mean, one of the, the loudest set of fans, certainly I've been sat next to is Nottingham Forest. Um, they always, we're not, I'm not really rivals with them in any way. They're from the East Midlands, we're from the West. Um, but that is, I mean, Nottingham is maybe 55 minutes to an hour and 20 minutes away, depending on the traffic. Um, you've got Stoke, who are essentially an hour away. Uh, West Brom is 10 minutes. Villa is 10 minutes. Wolves is 40 minutes. So all these, they're so on top of each other. When we have away days, we take coaches and coaches and coaches uh, and the police actually restrict how many numbers we're allowed to take because we take too many. Um, when when Villa came to us, I think we restricted them to about 2,000 or something and they did the same to us because they've made mistakes in the past when they've let us on. Um, there's a famous night game. I think it was either when we first went back up to the Premier League or a cup game. I can't remember, but if you Google it, you'll find pictures online of a line of police stretching across the pitch because on one half of that line is Blues fans the other half of that is the Villa fans in the away end and they're just trying to kill each other wow yeah I mean see it's kind of hard to even relate I guess from being that close um for in Alabama college football is the big king Mm. um just for example um how how many people does St. Andrews hold Oh, now you're asking. Uh, I think about, is it about 26, 27, something like that? that it may be less than that, you know, it's not loads. So if you're in uh, Auburn University, if you are a fan of that team, that's, uh, that is the University of Alabama, the school in which I attend. That's mm. our big rival. In the state of Alabama, you'll hear Alabama versus Auburn. That's the big mm. thing. Um, they hold... 87,000 Jesus Christ <laughs> and they're the small ones they're the baby oh brothers God. um for us um the University of Alabama we hold 101,000 oh my god and it's packed out every single Saturday and that's our local rival that is our in-state rival but from Tuscaloosa which is where I live to mm. Auburn is two and a half hours away yeah <laughs> See, yeah, teams two and a half hours away from us are teams like probably Manchester, which we would never, ever think of as a rival at all. But like I say, it's, it's just the the geography of both places. I mean, I talking of rivalries, I went to the MLB, Major League Baseball. They came over and did the London series. It must have been uh, two, two years ago now. You went to the Boston Yankees game then? Boston Yankees game. I went to the first one of those. I, I didn't even realise. I actually applied for a comp. No, I, I entered a competition to win tickets and then randomly got an email like six months later saying you've won. And I thought, well, what? This isn't, <laughs> I don't trust this at all. So I'm on the phone for ages, phoning every, everyone trying to work out if it's real. Turns out it was real. And I went there. It was full of Yankees and, and Red Sox fans. I couldn't believe how many Americans were in this little building in, in England. Uh, and next to me was a Yankees fan. And he was talking to me. He said, who do you, you, you like football? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, who do you support? I said, oh, Birmingham City. He said, who are your rivals? I said, Aston Villa. He said, oh, well, you see, we're Yankees fans and Boston Red Sox. They're like Villa. 
I said, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I said, mate, last time we played Villa, one of our fans ran on the pitch to punch their star player. I've seen that video so many times. Yeah, I understand that Red Sox and, and Yankees have a rivalry, and it, but to, it's more, it seems more of a sporting rivalry as is just straight up hatred. Com- like, yeah, unwarranted hated hatred at times, I suppose. Um, but w- literally everything Villa do, we will analyse and we will find faults with and we will use against them. It, it, it's a, a deep-seated hatred. It's kind of funny because you mentioned the baseball rivalry. Mm. For some, like the Yankees and the Red Sox, that's one of the most famous rivalries around here. And they, the difference, baseball rivalries are so fun to me because you do have some groups that hate each other. Um, like, I think generally the LA Dodgers and San Francisco Giants, like, there was a lot of blab, bad blood between those. Mm. It got pretty. It got pretty bad between the Yankees and the Red Sox, but most everything's on the field. And baseball is weird because most of these rivalries start because a pitcher is throwing something at someone else, mm-hmm. which I mean, some of these pitchers out here are throwing the ball a hundred miles per hour at other players, which um, yeah, I think yeah. is like what one thirty kilometers mm-hmm. at other people's heads because mm-hmm. they don't like them or that they stared out of baseball for too long. Yeah, they're just so weird. Baseball's weird, man. <laughs> Yeah, I think, again, with that, you got Red Sox and Yankees played each other God knows how many hundreds times, and they get to the to the World Series. That's seven games they're essentially going to play against each other. I think it's seven. Um, we play Villa once in a blue moon. Even if we're in the same league, that's twice, and we're going to play them at our place once in that year. Our season, whether people will admit it or not, both Villa fans and Blues fans, our season centres around that game. That is the the biggest game of the season. Um, and he probably is the same with, with you in Memphis, to be honest. Um, uh, Memphis is kind of a funny rivalry. Um, it kind of got picked up by you guys as our biggest yeah. rival because it kind of is. But yeah. uh, that that came before the Legion were around. Yeah. Uh, this was the Hammers, uh, which was a small, I guess, if you want to think of it in divisions. We were a fourth slash fifth uh, sorry, I was a fifth division club and then went on to fourth. Um, and that's where that rivalry started. And they would bring fans. We would bring fans to their place. It always got heated and it was always a big to do. Um, and we hated them. And then when we came, the, this is the screwy part about uh, American or football in America is franchises and people buying whatever and forgetting about the past, you know. We, I don't like saying it this way, but we bought our way into the second division. Mm. That's what happened. That's um, football it, in general, though. Everyone's trying to do that. Again, true. no one's to admit it, but we're all waiting for some rich oil baron to buy us, true. essentially. Yeah. Um, because there is no pro rail here, here you mm. just buy your way into a league. Um, and Memphis did the same thing. The difference is, for us, we kept our roots. Our new owner came down and met us and talked to the fans one-on-one had a, not just a, a Q and a, but a meet and greet where he had a beer with us. He shook all of our hands, answered all of our questions. He wanted to keep that, the old team alive, even mm. though they weren't the hammers. He wanted to keep that tradition alive. Memphis said, screw what was going on before. We're the new guys. And that part of their owners, you 
may remember him when he was over there. Uh, Sam Howard, he was yeah. keeper over there for uh, in England yeah, for a while. Yeah, Everton, yeah. Yeah, and he ended up playing against the Legion. We scored three goals against him, and he sucks. Um, I stayed up late <laughs> to watch that game as well. Yeah. What on YouTube. Fantastic. Yep. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so they totally disregarded their history. And so a lot of the fans that we had hatred with didn't stick around because it didn't feel like their club anymore. Uh, I would say it's kind of like uh, AFC uh, – I'm going to say it wrong. Is it uh, AFC and Wimbledon and uh, – Wimbledon and, and MK Dons. And MK yeah. Dons. You know, they're – essentially they were the same group mm. and then the other group feels like they're fake, you know, like they're, yeah, they're exactly, plastic yeah. fans. Yeah. And – that's what Memphis became. They became mm. the MK Dons. And mm. so their original fans said, screw that. So the team we had and the fans we hated weren't there anymore. Yeah, and so yeah. we tried to keep it alive and they didn't care because they didn't know about the rivalry before. So we're in a weird, we're in a weird place right now when it comes to that. Hopefully we helped to fan the flames of that a bit. <laughs> Dude. I remember we got messages and we were like, yo, please tell them to stop. And which made us go, Hey guys, keep going. This is awesome. Keep go, go. <laughs> That's made my nice. That's good. <laughs> Just kind of last thing. when it comes to like American uh, football culture and differences uh, for you guys, it's stand and sing and chant for the full 90 plus minutes, you know, even before you come into the stadium and then afterwards. Yeah. Um, some that's kind of one of the things that started this whole thing was it got picked up by somebody over there when it was yeah, did you? at an abysmal, abysmal chant going on. Barely anybody was singing. over here. <laughs> it's a riot over there. It's a choir. Something like that. Yeah. yeah and not many people yeah. were singing um, along. We... No. So obviously you can bring instruments in. We can't because mm-hmm. a, a drumstick is a weapon. Essentially. Um, we've got, you seem to have it again back in baseball. We've got what you call football Twitter. Football Twitter is essentially kids. Some of these kids are hilarious. They are genuinely really funny. Most of them are annoying, but you get the odd one who has just got typical British sense of humor. <clears throat> and you have it in baseball as well, where a lot of it is you insult people, but go over the top, unnecessarily over the top, which is what we ended up doing with, with Memphis. It was one of them that picked it up um, and shared it. And it kind of feels a bit bad because it wasn't necessarily done in a kind-hearted way, shall we say. It was done in a mocking way, if if we want to be honest about it. Um, But just because they did it in a mocking way doesn't mean that we necessarily saw it like that. We didn't even know Birmingham, Alabama had a football team. Um, Yeah. yeah. So we were obviously seeing that. And people are jumping on board, and, and I was monitoring what was going on essentially <laughs> believe, believe it or not my claim to fame it was actually me that asked one of you guys who your rivalry was and when the answer came back memphis that was it that we just all <laughs> gloves are off we know nothing about memphis all i know about memphis is i used to be a big wwf fan uh, i know jerry lawler <laughs> is a god there so Jerry Lawler is my number one target now. Jerry Lawler and Elvis, they're getting it. Whatever the, the worst possible things I can think to say about Lawler and Elvis are happening. Then when I found out about the Peabody Ducks and all that, it was just, it's all ammo to throw them. And what was great is you, you guys as a culture are so 
kind-hearted and welcoming of other people and we're not we're bastards we 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 found this rivalry and some of the stuff i was in bits laughing at some of the most offensive stuff which i won't repeat on here but some of the most offensive unnecessarily aggressive things like memphis would we'd have some memphis fans say yeah well legion haven't done this before and the answer would be yeah well your moms are this and it, there's, there's no there's no context there there's no, they're not related they, you would throw they memphis fans would throw a stat at us we throw a barrage of swear words back at them and it was magical it was so nice it, it was nice seeing english football get released on the innocence basically i so it was kind of funny uh i fully i was on board with this mm. i personally i'm a big fan of of football twitter that like i love that stuff and it's kind of strange because over there it's accepted here it's kind of bad so like my goal is i want to be a teacher well okay. somebody sees me saying some of these things yeah. about memphis yeah. it's like oh you can't work with the youth yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah basically yeah <laughs> so i but we are we all had our you know threads we had our different boards that we were posting stuff on we're like these guys are hysterical we love this and I'm sure you realize this, but uh, the Magic City Brigade, which is our big supporter group, our admin on our Twitter, he's British. He oh, uh, is he? I didn't know that. He uh, from Bristol, pretty sure. Oh, okay. Oh no, I did know that. I did know that. Yeah, I did know that. So there were some of these things like he was cracking up at because mm. like we had a few people who not only is the Legion their first ever experience with you know football, you know the idea of someone over over the seas is yeah. talk like what's going on over there it's totally foreign so he was like having to decipher things of like what does this even mean like what oh it was cracking me up i was a big fan of it we there were a few things that we that we definitely took from that initial barrage mm. and we just started yelling it at their players uh when we really? were in person <laughs> and we were just reciting things that just whatever we could find and I, I, there was a lot of dirty looks from people who were not aware of what was happening. Yeah. So you have people who are coming out thinking that football is a family friendly thing and <laughs> you'll never hear anything bad because it's, it's, we went to our six year old soccer game yeah. <laughs> and they were like, and then they were just hearing whatever, just yeah. whatever they could find. It was, it was awesome. I, I did have loads, honestly, it, it was happened about over about three days and it was the funniest three days of my life. I was in tears and it's not something I'm proud of because it was very immature, but at the same time, my God, was it funny. I, I, I wish I could remember some of the stuff that's been said. The only one I remember is at one point I tweeted something like the only thing Jerry Lawler is king of is his little sister's virginity or something like that, which is horrific. And it just, even typing it, I thought this is horrible. This is too far. Send. <laughs> I don't know. Was it? It might no. It could have been. Could have been mother. I don't know. It was a family member. I'm sure it was. Um, but yeah, it, we just we went for it. And 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 the more the Memphis fans didn't understand it, the funnier it was. So the more that they and our football Twitter contingent just took things so far across the boundary. It was. It, and you know what? Genuinely, we're not like that as people. We'd never say that in the street. We'd never say that to your face. But for some reason, just the fact that there were some lovely Americans who didn't quite understand what was going on was the funniest thing in the world to us. 
Um, um, so sorry. <laughs> no, I, the funniest thing to me was out of the woodworks, there was a singular Memphis fan that was also a Villa fan. And I, he, oh man, I, I guess you didn't catch up on this, no. thread, but the other hundreds did. And <laughs> I think within two days, he deleted his account because he just kept getting DMs from people just, oh, it was ridiculous. Honestly, as I say, it, it's so mature. And, and explaining this to other people since, I thought, Mark, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> Go outside. There's a whole world out there. But no, at the time, and, and to be honest now, it was so funny. Um, well, but, uh, but then from, from, from that grew a genuine affection. And, and that's what's nice about it. It started off as our football Twitter essentially taking the piss out of you. Us lot jumping on and seeing that I've now got the opportunity to hate someone 4,000 miles away. Brilliant. Um, but then what we're left with, once all that's died down, is this kind of bond over nothing more than the fact that we both called Birmingham. Yeah. But now I'm sat here at midnight talking to you on a podcast. And it's lovely and it's genuinely nice. And, and we've got our fans buying your merch, not me because your shipping rates are ridiculous. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> I, so, why, why both clubs didn't buy a bulk load of something to put in the shop is beyond me. Because once both clubs got on board, I think Mikey Lopez did that video with him wearing the blue shirt saying keep right on. Um, the, both clubs acknowledged it and recognised it. I don't understand why they didn't at least buy a load of caps or something or scarves. But I would have bought one, but I, I can't justify 30-odd quid in shipping. But I, I know fans who have. Um, and vice versa, I know fans who've sent stuff to each other, and it's nice. It's it's nice to care about someone I've never met. Yeah, for sure. I sent I've sent hats and scarves over. It's mm. been I mean it's been nice, especially since I don't care about the little like the small bit of fee. It doesn't matter to me mm. too much. But I totally get international shipping's. A... Not only that, the standard price of your shirts is I... insane. I trust me. I know. Uh, this is one of my biggest rants. If you're with the front office, listen to me because there's a good <laughs> chance of that. I'm not sorry for what I'm going to say. It's way too expensive. I mean, yes. they really are. It's, but the difference is, is that, and we're going to get to the Blues financial situation, which is something. Fun. <laughs> um, merchandise legitimately keeps Birmingham, the Birmingham Legion, afloat. Because if you look up just how many teams fold uh, yeah. here in the U.S. in second division, it's ridiculous. I remember 2016, the defending champions had to fold because they didn't have mm. enough money. So right. these shirts are quite literally funding them, which you would mm. think lower prices more people would buy. Mm. But the city of Birmingham is not – massive as a relative to other markets mm. so you wouldn't have as many people buying them anyway so you might as well get the most money as you can i mm. think it's ridiculous i think it's stupid but what can you do yeah i mean the, the problem is you acknowledge it's stupid and ridiculous but you're also sat there wearing one of the shirts so the problem is and, and i'm not having a pop <laughs> for that i'm exactly the same i'm moaning about the price of blue shirts every single time i walk in that shop i'm currently sat here in a blue shirt I'm the mug who's paying it. So unfortunately they are going to pay that. The difference is we will claim that we need to sell these shirts, stay afloat. I don't believe that you probably genuinely do. Unfortunately, yeah. that's more, that's the reason I buy it is because I know mm. that we actually need it. And that's why I feel okay doing it. Yeah. Um, which makes sense. So kind of just before we move on, something I wanted to bring up when we first started it was you guys 
kind of poking fun at us not really singing and stuff like that yeah um so starts off with american football culture at least to me i guess i'm a enabler i guess i'm in the marching band at the university of okay. alabama and after every single play the band plays a little short tune in mm. which the fans uh follow, they say some kind of chant or they'll sing along with it and then once the song's over they'd stop yeah or, you do that's um there's a gary glitter song isn't there i think you call it the charge song i think yeah we we don't play that. Hey, do, 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 that one yeah so basically except for football everything mm. is a call and response i guess if you want to say mm. so we'll play a song the fans will so whatever they'll be like yeah roll tide or which is our out university of alabama's thing mm. they're like yeah roll tide or or they'll sing something along or go first down you know something like that and the only thing that they'll actively sing along with us is our fight song that's right. the only thing that they'll actually sing along with us as we play it as opposed to afterwards hmm. so then you move to football where there's nobody giving you a song to say anything after hmm. it's everybody trying to create the song which is a co totally completely different atmosphere than what you guys have over there which is we are the song we are the atmosphere as opposed to we react to the atmosphere, which is a really weird difference in the U.S. compared to you guys. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I'm quite into my my basketball. Um, I wish the games weren't so long, and that goes for all American sport. I wish the games weren't so long because it's it's hard enough keeping up when they're on in the middle of the night, let alone three times a week, three hour games. Um, but the impression I get as a complete ignorant um Brit is that a sports a day at the um at the baseball or the basketball or whatever for you is a day out for entertainment essentially um as is almost the way i always think of english football is you've got a bunch of working class blokes who spend monday to friday getting shouted at by their boss they may not like the missus like they, they just have a torrid time of it saturday is their chance to go and shout at a bunch of people and call them every name under the sun. And it's almost cathartic. That's their, whether they, we don't obviously really think the referee's a wanker, but obviously he is. It's my chance to yeah. tell him he's a wanker in case he wasn't aware. Um, <laughs> and that's essentially what, what Saturdays are. For, for us, the sport is almost, to be, to be honest, it's a chore at times. You go because you feel you should. Whereas for you, or my opinion of, of, of basketball, for example, is it's a whole day out. Uh, when I used to get paid for the NBA live pass, you'd see between all the timeouts and all the stoppages in play, let's do a competition, let's do a dunk contest, let's spin the wheel and see who wins, let's fire shirts into none of that in in England yeah. at all. When they did that at the the baseball that I went to, I couldn't believe how many Americans were storming down to the front to get these shirts whilst all the Brits were way too polite drinking our cups of tea. We're not doing that. We will stand and politely wait for the <laughs> shirt to come to us. Um and it, didn't. it just the whole thing seemed <laughs> yeah yeah it didn't the whole thing seemed like completely yours is nicer to be honest it's a nicer family friendly atmosphere and a lot of our singing comes from the fact that it is generally particularly on away days you don't get that many kids going it is blokes who are drunk getting things off their chest and, and that and that's where the magic comes from to be honest that's where when we played harley dean our captain um although captain is i use that word loosely uh we bought him from brentford when he came to Brentford from to us from Brentford, he did, did an interview and he said, 
I'm glad I've gone to Birmingham. This team is 10 times better. Brentford came to us, beat us 3-0. So one, one goal goes in. They're singing, 10 times better. We're winning 1-0. And that's just completely come off the top of their heads. Second goal goes in. 10 times better, we're winning to it. And it just goes on. And, and you get these kind of spur of the moment, funny songs. Um, and I genuinely don't know who makes them up, but there is someone in there, usually pissed out of his head, making up songs on the spot. Uh, and it, it's great. But at the same time, a lot of them are very offensive and you wouldn't want to repeat on a podcast. Yeah, I mean, I've, this is before the Legion days. This is kind of the last thing before we move on to Birmingham City and what's going on. But this is back in the Hammer days. We, I remember we got not chewed out. We definitely got told very uh, nicely, I guess you would call it, by the owner of the group or of the club. Hey, please stop telling Memphis about their murder and rape uh, rates. <laughs> like, that's not very, please don't. <laughs> please stop singing about that. We we cannot tell them how many heroin overdoses we had last week. We need to stop. <laughs> yeah with us I, I, and I understand it to be honest because you football over there is it's obviously not a new sport but but to to your city I suppose it kind of is in a way much more so than us your owners have got to sell it to families because it's families that spend the money it's families that buy the shirts and and the drinks and the sweets and all that stuff with us I go to blues because my dad made me and <laughs> my son will go to the Blues because I will make him, whether he likes it or not. And he's kind of, I suppose, English clubs have already got that revenue coming in. Your lot need to appeal to families as have just accepted long ago that families do not want to be in this environment. And the kids usually that are there are worse than the adults anyway. So, Well, you're speaking of revenue, and I think that's a great transition to talk about the not-so-fun part of this podcast. Hey, if you're listening to this and you want to just stick with the happy stuff – Stop now. <laughs> um, the finances over there, man, mm. couldn't give 500 pounds to the women's club to play Villa. Like, yeah. What? Okay, so on one hand, that is annoying. That, that's very annoying, and it's cheap, and it's wrong. On the other hand, I do take slight issue with the fact that, I mean, on our podcast, we have a guy, Chris Pugh, who is very into the women's side of the game. He... he it will tell you everything about everyone. He knows them all. He knows a lot of them personally as well. He cares a lot about that. The problem is when things aren't going well on the men's side, suddenly fans of the men's side look at that and say, oh, I've done that. Well, you didn't care about the women's team last week and you won't care about them next week. So don't jump, don't use this as a stick to beat the owners with. That being said, the fact that we couldn't pay 500 quid to relocate is uh, ridiculous. Yeah, it's um, it's... I suppose it's not a priority to them. The women's game hasn't been a priority to them for a while now. Um, a fair few of our players left, I believe, at the end of last season. We essentially had to rebuild the squad. We brought in a woman called Marta something, a Spanish girl. Um, she was useless. None of the players wanted her. Uh, we've now got Carla Ward, who's come from, I think it's Sheffield United, who the, the players are actually playing for. Um, we've got the makings of a good women's team, but like you say, why wouldn't the club put their hands in their pocket? And It's embarrassing. To be honest, I, you know, I before I with Blues, I have a kind of a soft spot now. I kind of find <laughs> myself feel like, ah, I hope they do well. But mm. since I was real little, because we didn't have a team in Birmingham, I I grew up rooting for Palace. I okay. had a, I had a friend who 
whose dad had a weird station that followed the championship. I don't know why. Right, okay. He had it, and I thought, and I thought Palace was cool. I thought the idea of having an eagle was fun. I don't know. Yeah. I was five. Um, yeah, no, that worked. Like fight <laughs> at the start of the games and everything. Yeah. So, but I know that they've opened up their women's team to be sponsored and funded by fans, which mm. I've personally helped contribute to. I mean the the palace usa guy he's you know he does a lot of work over here he personally helps support the goalkeeper the goalkeepers for the women why birmingham city doesn't just say hey fans if you let's not only you know raise money for them Hmm. but hey you can be more invested in this group because I bet if a people give twenty dollars, you know, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, like twenty bucks here, or whatever, you know, that, surely more people would care. They won't, unfortunately, they won't. Um, the women's game is so it's not that young, but the the league structure has changed a few times. Um, it's seen as a non-entity, unfortunately, um, which again it, it feels bad to say. Um, but it is. I, I genuinely don't think our fans would pay, and that's not us, just us. I think that's fans across the board. We have enough fans that go to the women's game and pay for the tickets. Whether you'd get enough fans to put their hands in their pockets to fund it altogether um, <clears throat> is debatable. See, that's something strange over here in the U.S. is because we take big pride in our, you know, U.S. women's national team. Yeah, yeah. Won five World Cups at this point. Mm. Just something ridiculous, and they're really good. Um, for the University of Alabama, uh, we don't have a men's team because scholarships in Title IX, I don't think that's a thing for you guys over there, but essentially we have to give the same amount of scholarships to women that we do men. Okay. And, uh, American football takes up all scholarships. Yeah. Um, so we have a women's team, which has a women's football team who is full scholarships. They're full thing. Their full uh, ride is paid for. Um, and they couldn't do that for the men's. Anyway, mm. I mean, I go to every single match. I think it's a great time. And that's a pretty common sentiment to people who follow football in America is most of them do enjoy the women's game. It's it's something that there's a lot of pride for because we actually care and those other places don't. And it's really, ups- it's really I, I guess upsetting is not the right word, but it really is a downer to to hear that it is kind of the case of what we perceive it is but i wonder if that comes down to geography again so wherever wherever you're born in this country you are within 10 to 15 miles of a city and a a ground unless you're like typical or anything like that um again i I get the feeling like your your college and high school level of sports is vastly superior to ours because you care about it you can bet on it, for example. You can't overhear. When I was at school, half the games were cancelled because the opposition couldn't put a, a full team out because it's not important to us because we, we've got our men's team and that is where all the effort goes into. Um, with you guys, say, if you are... Who's your local or your nearest MLS team? Uh, the closest for us is Atlanta United, which play two and a half hours away and they play in a football stadium. But exactly, yeah. And so you've got to go two and a half hours to your nearest MLS game, or if your local college women are playing down the road, you're going to. And I, I wonder if that's got something to do with it because you can go the same distance, see our women playing Solihull 
or you can actually go and see Solly Holmore's men's team play. Um, and I, it, it's and then it comes down to football has always been the man's game, and we're, we're blokes, and we don't care about them birds. Go and do some washing up and do the ironing. Um, there's an element of that to it as well, unfortunately. But it, it is a shame. Um, you, yeah, you're right. It is a shame. Uh, something just small tangent, but you're just talking about your high school. I mean, for us, I guess our high <laughs> school rivalries are your, you know, footballing rivalries with like mm. Villa. Because for us, we had for a high school game for high school American football, we would have I don't know 5,000, 10,000 people, and we were small, yeah. we were a small Gosh. school. Um, we had I remember we there was a rivalry we had with the school probably 15 minutes away, mm. and we they hadn't beaten us in like 15 years but they had a good quarterback that there was a chance he could beat us mm. so we had a, some of our students high school students sneak into their locker room plant syringes in the locker room and then accuse them of oh my God. steroids <laughs> that's <Yeah>. brilliant <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> oh it, we should we should do that with villa <laughs> <laughs> yeah the when I played football at school, the crowd was about 30 and they're all parents. Um, our, our school games aren't open to the public. Um, university games possibly aren't open to the public either. If they are, they're not advertised particularly well. Um, it's just, yeah, until you get to that elite level sport, which for us goes down as far as the conference league. And I mean, my technically my local team is Hensford Town, who are so far down the leagues. You can't see them. Um but no, certainly anything school level, no one's interested in. Wild. Compl it's yeah. so weird. I, again, I, I genuinely think it's a geography thing. I, I do. I think if your local team was the school, you'd care more. But because our local team is up the road. Yeah. I don't know. So just today, uh, let's just talk about the match we had today. You oh, guys God. won probably one of the worst wins I've seen in a while. <laughs> I mean, that don't take it away from us. Uh, it was it i think what today before uh before ever i saw more people who i'm going to pronounce the name wrong i know will karanka is that his name yeah karanka yeah yeah i think today caused more people to say yeah we're done it's mm. surprising with the win because uh if you haven't watched uh birmingham city finally won a match 1-0 um <laughs> and they were down. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday was down to ten men, and he finally scored. You know, finally had the foot on the th you know foot on the throat, ready to do this, and he parks the bus. Yeah, massively. Yeah, it invites a load of pressure. Um, we took off uh, our most uh, dangerous player, arguably in Jeremy Bella, uh, our second most dangerous player in Ivan Sanchez. Took both of them off. Uh, put two centre backs on one who turns as slow as the titanic um yeah i i don't I, I on one hand i get it we finally picked up a win we're fighting relegation he needed to secure these three points throw two center backs on but the minute you take all creativity off that pitch you are essentially saying we're open for business come at us and that's and that's what they did and and the team that's down to 10 men losing one nil is going to come at you uh and if it wasn't for neil etheridge's immense save in about the 90th minute uh we would have only picked up a point but it's three um it doesn't 
solve the problem, it maybe papers over the cracks for a week. Neil Etheridge, he has to be the best keeper in all the championship. He just, mm. unfortunately, that back line is just so. Yeah. It's, <laughs> what, what doesn't that? We've got Mikel San Jose, who's played seven games for the Spanish national side. I can only assume that the rest of Spain were ill on those seven weeks um, or come down with a flu or something because, or he's, he's won a raffle or won the lottery. Somehow he's got into that team. It wasn't picked on on technical uh, ability but he has he's played for them seven times he's played for i think it was rail betis he is a name he's a, a a star essentially to come to us and he's utter crap he's useless he's slow he's usually players will go to la liga or the mls or something like that at the end of the career to slow down slightly you definitely don't go to the championship which is where he's decided to come and try and play his trade and it's just not working you can see that once upon a time there was a a good player with vision he certainly is not not that now and he certainly shouldn't be playing center back for us next to him you got harley dean who cares more about breeding dogs than he does football at the moment um you got christian pedersen who was brilliant last season then watford putting a apparently put in a 10 million pound bid for him and then he just went to utter rubbish um if i could get like a time machine if i'm if anyone was to lend me a delorean i will go back and snap watsford's hand off for that 10 million because he's useless now um but then we got max collin on the right and george friend has come in who i think are gods among men so the the it's a mix, really. and we've got um, what's his name on loan, Jake Clark Salter, who is also a very talented. I think he's an England under twenty three player at the moment. So with the ability is there, and I think that's what annoys us in general. So you got Max Collin, uh, George Friend, and, and Clark Salter, all quality players. Neil Etheridge, as you said, easily one of the best keepers in the championship by far. Jeremy Beller on his day is unplayable. Ivan Sanchez scored a goal against, I think it was Cardiff, where, you know Middlesbrough, I think. One of them, he danced around four players and put it in the back of the net. He was majestic. Scott Hogan, when he played for us the first time he came to us on loan last season, so was, good. you couldn't stop him. You just you just could not stop him. But they're all set up to fail. And that's the problem. They're set up completely wrong. We've got, last game, we played um, Djokovic, who's our big, tall target man. Our tactic is kick the ball long, hope Djokovic gets his head on it and hope it goes in the back of the net. Played him, but he didn't play. Bella and Sanchez are two wingers. So there's no one crossing the ball into the big bloke. Today, we play Bella and Sanchez and we put Scott Hogan, who's about four foot two. We, there's no logic to the tactics. And I think that's why you see all this cranker out stuff. Because me, I can load up football manager now and I can get success with that team. It's simple. It's very. It's a typical British stereotype to say, oh, play four, four, two. But just try four four two because you know what it works, um, and I think that's where that's why you've seen so many cranker outs is because although we won and we are chuffed to bits with that win, it he still gave them every opportunity to throw it away. See, that was the thing with with us because we have to for the most part because I don't want to put pay for Blues TV. Sorry, not doing. No, that. no, <laughs> preaching um, to the choir. But. I am so we'll find some completely 100% legal streams. I've, <laughs> Obviously. Um, and last year we were watching, you know, before everything just fell apart yeah. with the world. Uh, we, I'm, you know, Big Juke, he's over here on corners. All you have to do mm. is just loft it up. He's going to be on his head. Easy. Yeah. Easy. And yeah. The, the guy's made to score headers. 
Um, but for some, Scott Hogan did an interview. We've got a local journalist um, called Brian Dick. He's probably the best local journalist we've got. Um, he did an interview with him in which he said, Scott Hogan, before us, he played for the Villa. And then yeah. before them, he played for Brentford. He was crap at the Villa, brilliant at Brentford. He came to us and did this interview and he said, this is the most fun I've ever had playing football because Djokovic does all the hard work. He battles, he gets pushed around, he brings the ball down, he holds it up. He's brilliant. Hogan said, all I've got to do is make sure I'm in the right place at the right time to tap it in. And that's what Hogan does. He's a tapping merchant. He he himself, the player himself has said, playing with Djokovic is the best time of my career. Cranker has played them together once. It, does, it doesn't make sense. The player himself has said, I am best when you put me next to him. Put him next to him. And that would be a 4-4-2 formation that he refuses to play. Well, isn't that what everybody said? Is that mm. everything, every single strength that the team has, he wants to do the opposite of. The exact opposite. He, yeah. I mean, he came in. I, I knew about him beforehand. Um, he was a defensive guy. Every single team mm. he's been at was extremely defensive. Maybe not Roy Hodgson level of park to yeah. bus, but yeah. you know, still loves the, you know, still loves the play. I guess possession. But mm. that's just not Birmingham City. It's not us, and it's never been us. I, I, I am a, a career right back, um, an absolutely terrible, terrible right back. So I, I appreciate a good defensive display that, that gets my juices flowing. But at some point, you've got to attack as well because you can't just draw 40-odd games and stay up. And that's the predicament we're in now. We need to pick up wins. So today was a massive step towards that. But then we had the Wickham game, I think it was, where we made one sub. Was that the one we made once? Was that the one where he got sent off? I don't know. There was, there was two games. There was Wickham and Luton, I think it was. And it, it just doesn't make subs. Well, the game is there for the taking, and he doesn't take that game. And when he does make subs, they're defensive, and they make no sense. And we take off our attacking players for, as today, Mark Robertson, San Jose. It, it could have all gone tits up. Luckily, it didn't. I mean, so I get that the very ending of last year wasn't, perfect it was horrific i mean it was yeah but at least pep seemed like he had a pulse on the squad yeah pep Pep got a a bad run of it really um i like pep on a personal level um he's a very very nice bloke um but we we've got don gren uh who is essentially playing his football manager fantasy um, picking the team and telling us how to play. When when we were bought a few years ago, they wanted to play this ticky-tacker, pass it round the back, nice, sexy football, that slowly work working in the championship. Exactly. doesn't work in the championship, certainly doesn't work with us. Leeds may have had some success with it to an extent, but even they were counter-attacking. But he's determined to play this, and it's never going to work with us. So we bought Jota, who was all right until it got a bit cold and he's a bit scared of the snow. So he stopped playing. We had Vialba who was too busy flirting with his missus on Instagram. Um, and we just bought these players who should be able to play like that, but you can't do that overnight. And Pep was left basically after Monk went, we were left with Pep and he was told by Dong, essentially, this is the style of football we want. We want it to be exciting do that. And he was between a rock and our place because he wants to perform in his role. At the same time, he's got a dick of a boss telling him what to do. I mean, so just kind of going with like just the style of like the ticky tack, uh, let's let's be real sexy football. Mm. I mean, Leeds probably had the sexiest brand of football, and if you compare that to anything else of any other top flight, you know, league out there, they were pretty standard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. 
I mean, everything I've watched is the championship, just kind of like a lot of, I guess you would call them lower league. The championship's not a low league. It's just not top mm. flight. It's physical. It's run it down your throat and then counterattack when the other team's bad at it. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And that's why when teams drop down from the Premier League, a lot of the time they don't bounce straight back up again because they've got luxury players who like having time and space on the ball. You come down to the championship, nine times out of ten, you're not getting that. You will if you play against Birmingham City because we barely put a challenge in. But for most teams, you won't get that. Um, and you can't play that nicely. That's why Villa had such a, a pain in the ass getting back up. It took them three seasons to get up because they tried to play that same Premier League slow style and it didn't happen. So they had to buy better players, essentially, more more suited to this league. And, and we're, we've signed... Sanchez is great, but he spent his whole life, as far as I'm aware, in the Spanish um, system, the Spanish leagues, which is a lot slower. And that's why San Jose is too slow, because they brought up in this slower system. Exactly what you said, championship is you better pass that ball quickly or we're going to run through you like a steam train. And the lower down the leagues you go, the worse that gets as well. I mean, so... I kind of want to get to this before, you know, keep you up way too late. Um, I've got all night. I'm, I'm with you all night, <laughs> as long as you want. Well, my battery, my computer battery can't make it all night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just a little insight. We moved into this uh, new house probably two weeks ago. I did an interview with Mikey Lopez Oh yeah. 15 minutes after my power got turned on. We've been living here for five days without power. It's an old house and half of the outlets in my room don't work. I set up my okay. desk for a little office space. I have three outlets within five feet of me. None yeah. of them work. So <laughs> I pretty much just charge it before the interview and just pray. Um, <laughs> so I, I ran some polls on Twitter to try to get some, some feedback from the Birmingham city crowd. Okay. Um, and the first one is a cronk out or cronk in. And I'd had a just want to see results. So they're not going to equal 100%. Okay. Okay. But a lot of these have 100 plus uh, results. or So I think it's a fair amount of votes. Yeah. Okay. 68% says cronk out, 9% say in. So only 9% right. of fans are saying, hey, we're tired of manager turnover. Most of you guys are just, we want them out. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'd, I'd be inclined to agree. And I, I wonder if that number would be even lower, um, the cranker in number, if we hadn't won today. Um, I did this poll beforehand, actually. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm inclined. I, I've tried to support him, and, and us on Fat Lads in Going Gold have tried to support him. But it gets to the point where you just go, you know what? enough's enough there's only one way we're going um every game that he's in charge is three points gifted to the opposition other than today um my big thing with cranker is we need and the team in general need a catalyst for change and i don't see where that comes from and i certainly don't think it's cranker um i think we need someone in who will just play the basics and and look like he cares to be honest because cranker certainly doesn't Next one is the big dong himself. Uh, <laughs> is he in or he's out? 85% want him out. Yeah, yeah. He, he to me, is the, the main problem in that club at the moment. Uh, a lot of people want to pin it on the owners. The owners, actually, to give them their dues, when they came in, spent a hell of a lot of money. We failed what we call the financial fair play 
uh, rules. Basically, we spent too much. Um, there's only there's a, a cap of you. You can only spend X amount um, compared to your losses. Basically, so we overspent is the long and short of it. That that shows to me a sign of ambition because they've tried to to do something, and we are trying to buy players. I think our owners are trying, but unfortunately, they've put this maniacal dictator in charge and that's where the problems lie next one well you know what i'll skip the i'll save the next one for last um, okay so how i asked are you worried about the club if they were to fall down to league one um and which 56 said i'm terrified and only 18 percent said we'll bounce back up um i don't necessarily think we'll bounce back up but it depends it, it what the the context of it is really i'm not worried about the club folding or anything um i'm worried that we won't see championship football for a fair few years but then if we drop all the way down to the conference i'd still go and watch them it doesn't really make too much difference to me um it's just the standard will be a lot worse but maybe the tickets will be cheaper Uh, this this is also true silver linings it's i guess the fear has always become in sutherland yeah essentially yeah yeah um and i don't know if you've seen the documentary sunderland till i die so which good. it's so it, it's great because when they made that they obviously thought well sunderland will bounce straight back up again so they, it's all full of optimism and then they drop down and down and down and down and you see the faces kind of turn then they make the next series and they well they're obviously going to bounce up now aren't they no they're not they're going to completely mess that up and now they're in yeah dire straits and that is the worry that we become the next sunderland the next Ipswich, the next bolton and berry and yeah, it is worrying. I I, uh, I don't know the answer. So before we get back to that last question, I want to give some, I guess, context of how many people or the how long these people have been fans of the Blues. Um, so thirteen percent said they were fans for you know from one to ten years of the club. Uh, most was fifty nine percent said they were fans for twenty to thirty five years. So long time they've seen a lot of ups and downs uh not seen for 35 to 50 years and i had nine percent saying they were fans for 50 plus years um and then 38 who said 10 to 20. so a large amount of fans who have been fans for 20 to 50 years and we're seeing results of i'm worried about the club if we go down or you know we want we want dong out or we want karenka out and then the last one, which is why I wanted to put that in context, I asked if you supported the players. And only Ooh. only 47% said they supported the players still. Okay. Um, do I support them? I support the shirt they're wearing, and I, short, I support the badge they're playing, supposedly playing for. There are certain players that you can see are putting the effort in. Uh, Gary Gardner will run his socks off. Djokovic clearly cares. Um, Hogan seems to really care. At one point, I think he was playing left back just to try and get the ball the other day. Um, there are players there that care. I don't buy into this whole, they're paid X amounts, therefore they should be better at their jobs thing. Um, I don't like it when people throw footballers' wages at them as, again, a stick to beat them with. It's not their fault. If someone offered me that much money, I'd say yes as well. But they they, it is what it is. Um, the problem is with football, back in the day, you were generally the championship in particular would have been full or division one as it was would have been full of English, Scots, Irish, Welsh players and of the odd uh, European. Nowadays, it's a much more global business. Um, 
you would get club journeymen, for example. Whenever we lose on Twitter, you will see the likes of Paul Devlin, uh, Martin O'Connor, um, all these ex-players who think they should have the manager job for whatever reason. They will come on and they will talk about the club because they would have played season after season for us. You don't tend to get that anymore. So I think fans sometimes expect a level of loyalty from the players that is unrealistic because at the end of the day, these players are playing for money. For, um, for money. However, you would hope that they would put a bit more effort in than they have been recently. Um, the problem is they are... Um, they're career failures at this point. All, all those that have been with us the last three, two or three years have witnessed relegation battle after relegation battle. Mentally, that's hard. And this is where, where I mentioned the money thing, because people seem to think that if you pay someone thousands of pounds a week, they don't have a mental health um, balance at all. That's not the case. You can pay someone millions. If they're not enjoying their job, they're not enjoying their job. If they're negative, they're negative. I don't think no matter how much you pay Harley Dean, if he's down on his job, he's not going to be a good captain of the club. Um, so do I support him? I suppose. Uh, yes. Do I trust them to get us out of this mess? No. Um, do I blame them for this mess? Partly. That's the most honest answer I can give you. Well, I think it's really interesting what you brought up with, you know, you're paying them this amount of money, this amount of money. They should be doing blank. Mm. Um, so for people who are listening on your side of the pond, a podcast I listen to quite often is the Pat McAfee show. He was a punter for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I think he played professional football in Europe for a while until he discovered American football, until mm. he realized he could just kick the mess out of a ball for <laughs> and get paid millions of dollars for it. Um, and he's talked about a lot of times of the – this isn't a video game. Players aren't video games. They don't just go out and play to their overall per se. Mm. He was like, players go through breakups. They go through divorces. Yeah. They have things happen in their family or sometimes they just get sad. And he mm -hmm. was like, I yeah. want you to think about your nine to five job. And you know, you're, you and your wife got into a fight last night. Do you do your office job perfectly as you would mm -hmm. have if you went in happy? And for me, that put a lot of professional sports into perspective. And I hope that a lot of fans view it the way you do, I guess, mm -hmm. of there's only so much they can do. And we're all humans, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I dread to think how much we're paying uh, San Jose. It's too much, whatever it is. But that, that pass back uh, on Wednesday, I think it was, where he, he slowly rolled the ball back to Etheridge and then... Uh, Jed Wallace, I think it was, uh, picked the ball up and stuck it in the back of the net two minutes into the game. You can't account for that. You can't. There is something... San Jose hasn't thought, I don't give a shit about this club, therefore I'm going to slowly pass it back. <laughs> it was a mistake. It is the fact that he's been brought up in a, in a slower league. It's the maybe He just took his eye off the ball, unfortunately, and Clayton did it a few weeks back where he, he should have put the ball out for a goal, for um, a corner. Instead, he let their striker take it off and then put it in the net. Uh, Coventry, I think that was. Players switch off. And when they're losing week after week after week, that is going to take a battering on you. Imagine going to work every day and your boss saying you, you, you are crap. And then every colleague you've got, because essentially that's what we're doing, is telling them they're crap every day. You're not going to perform, unfortunately. And I think that's the problem they're in. They're just in this rut. But the issue we've got is when I come back to the catalyst thing, Karanka isn't that man to motivate them. Gary Monk was, Gary Rowitz certainly was. 
Karanka isn't he's the wrong manager for the predicament we're in and he was he was always the wrong manager to bring into a club that is in relegation limbo where every year we're just fighting and fighting and fighting you know i think unfortunately for probably for Karanka himself which i doubt he ever sees anything that i say about him i think there's a chance if you're listening to this hey um <laughs> but um he uh almost all of his post-match interviews it's the boys didn't try hard enough they weren't doing enough or they didn't do what i set them out to do and i i think after when it first started it's like he's demanding more from them great we love this we love a guy who's willing to tell the players how it is but then after it's week after week after week after month it's Mm -hmm. like what when's he going to take a real accountability because I know he said in an interview recently, maybe within the last couple of days, the fans can give me criticism or whatever. It's fine. Um, but he's not saying that post-game interview. He's not saying, yeah. I had bad tactics. I don't, you know, I'm so sorry this is on me. He's saying the players aren't doing this, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of fans have caught on to. But I think also a lot of fans are thinking, they're letting that seep in and say the play, the the players just aren't doing enough. This is on them. And the, you know, obviously they won't crank it out, but they're also like the players are just not doing what they're, what he's asking of them anymore. Yeah, definitely. And, and that was part of the issue we had with, with Cottrell. Uh, we had him before oh, I lose track. We had him before Monk didn't we? So a couple of years ago now, and he was the same every interview it was like a bad SNL sketch where he just wouldn't take any accountability for anything. And it was like you were watching a parody of a football manager give an interview. It was horrific. And, and that's why we didn't warm to him. Before we had Zola, Zola was rubbish, but you could tell he was giving giving his all. He just wasn't cut out for the job. Cottrell was, may have been giving his all, but he certainly didn't show that he was. And he just didn't seem to care. And that's the problem with Karanka. He... he He's doing these interviews where he's shrugging his shoulders and, well, you know, the other day he said, we're going down, essentially. He said, we're going to get relegated. Well, cheers for that, mate. There's one person who can solve that, mate, and that's you doing the interview now. So do something about it. Um, and then, to not to kick Harley Dean again, but we lost on uh, Wednesday and George Friend did the post-game interview. We won today. Harley Dean did the post-game interview. That's a weird coincidence because he, he again, won't take accountability. Once a year, he'll come out and do this big interview where he says, yeah, it's, it's us. We got it. We can dig ourselves out of this. Still never blames himself. He's the club captain. Your job, if nothing else, because captains don't really do a lot, it's not like your quarterback calling the plays. Your job is just to be there and shout a bit. It doesn't even do that. And that's what gets my goat because that looks like he doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, for, for you guys, I guess, more so for us, is, I mean... Your your dad obviously drug you to games, and yeah. his dad probably brought him to games, and then yeah. so on. So, and it, it's a full generation thing. Mm. And so, for I guess for a lot of fans, subliminally, it feels like he is, you know, when he doesn't care, it's like saying he doesn't care about you. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. And, the, and, and again, this is where we hold them to uh, uh, an unfair standard, really, because why would he? He's a cockney. He's not going to care about Birmingham. He's, he played for Brentford most of his career. And I don't know how much he cared about them. Well, he didn't because he left them for us. He's not going to care, unfortunately. But Birmingham City fans are quite easy to please. Run around and pretend you care. That'll do for us. But he can't even be asked to do that. And that's the problem. Well, wasn't that kind of the thing? I mean, just talking about uh, Birmingham, 
the city, not Birmingham City. Mm. Um, I mean, it's it's blue collar workers. These are guys. Yeah, it is. It's I mean, it's very similar to our Birmingham. We're formed off the steel mill. Mm. That's if little Birmingham, Alabama history lesson. We're called the Magic City uh, because the city popped up over not like magic because there's a river right beside uh right beside the city and there is iron ores and all that stuff and there was coal all in the same vicinity so it became perfect for steel mills to pop up mm-hmm. and industrial it popped up out of nowhere so fans here they appreciate when we score they really like that obviously we went for when we first started i think we went four home matches our first four home matches as a club without scoring and when we finally did everybody celebrated it was a great time (laughs) but every single person lost loses their mind when we have a just a a gritty gutsy just one nil win when we just put on a defensive master class and it's always like, oh, they really care because they're willing to get down, get dirty, possibly get injured, make all these crazy saves for us, the hardworking people. And I'm sure it's probably the same thing for you guys. Yeah, without, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, and that's the same Like whenever we play play Villa. We had a player, Ryan Shotton, who had um, dreadlocks. He dyed them blue for that game. No one asked him to, but he did it because he knew we'd appreciate it. And in the first two minutes of that game, Michael Keeftonbald, who's no longer playing for us, snaps their star player in half just went straight through. Got himself a yellow card, probably put himself out of the game for 89 minutes, but he did that for us. And you kind of think, you know what, we're going to lose now because of that, but thanks anyway. <laughs> and, and and yeah, there's an element of playing for the badge. And I suppose you are right. I've never really thought about it like that, but it is essentially playing for us. And yeah, we do take it personally, I suppose. But then as I say, the flip side is why should they? Yeah, They're just here for the money. It, it's, it's an awkward one, really. Um, but that's why whenever you get a homegrown boy like Jude Bellingham, who spent the whole of last season trying to drag these veterans to his level, um, that's why when he does leave, it sort of brings a tear to your eye because you could see the, the pride in him. There was a, it was really unfortunate because he got injured. But mm. last week, Dortmund played Hoffenheim which mm. was a really exciting match. And I was really looking forward to this, but unfortunately he got hurt. But the two Birmingham boys were supposed to play against each other. A Birmingham native, Birmingham, Alabama, Chris Richards, was starting, just got sent on loan to Hoffenheim. Oh, okay. And he was supposed to play, uh, you know, Dortmund mm. that day, um, which had Jude Bellingham. So we're supposed to have, um, I think it was a, was, was, he, was he a right wing or was he... He generally uh, will play sort of centre mid. So uh, he's more more of a, a defensive centre mid more normally. And then uh, Chris is a, basically being used as a centre back. So we're about to see two two Birmingham, one from Alabama, mm. one from one from the UK, go head to head in the yeah. Bundesliga, which I was so excited for. I thought that would have been really cool moment, at least for the Twitter fans and nobody else would care, but it would have been fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would. I mean, I, I've, I've never really cared about the Bundesliga uh, until Bellingham went there. He got an assist today. They beat uh, Schalke. I think it was four um, nil. So yeah, they are. Yeah. But <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't tell you about German football until Bellingham went there. I couldn't tell you about, um, about, well, your football and until we started this thing. And now the, the three things on my Twitter are both Birmingham's and Dortmund. 
um, because that's what it means to us. We will follow anyone who shows an affection for us. Really, it's a bit. It's kind of like we we're desperate for attention and and we need loving, but that's that's what it is really. I mean, it's kind of interesting. Uh, just very strange. We had Keep Right On played a few times at the mm. matches. Uh, we I, there's a few times that it's uh it's been sang at the matches now for us and there's I don't know if it's gonna happen just small rumor I guess because we are a new club we're trying to find cultural identity I guess mm -hmm. and a lot of people are like screw it let's sing it after we score that'll be fun mm -hmm. and so yeah just with a year ago I guess just over a year ago this whole thing wouldn't have happened so yeah. Uh, just this interview itself so completely wild that we are that the internet was used for mostly bad those few weeks but then it turned into yeah. something completely great <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and then and we obviously we see all the videos of you lot um watching our games in the pub and, and singing and all the photos and everything and getting up at well getting drunk in the morning which i'm always always up for um and yeah your, your rendition of keeper was on i was on is it the Birmingham Backline podcast. They, is that a podcast? They, it is a podcast. They aren't really doing much anymore, which was They're horrible because they made amazing content. So, but yeah, they they had me on. Um, well, they had me record a, a ten minute thing for them, uh, in which I sang a bit of Keep Rice on it, and, and and with that, it's the guttural. Um, you're almost shouting it. It's almost like a war chant rather than a song, and that was kind of the the worry that some blues fans had is that you'd bring a drum in and maybe a trumpet and it would be nicened up a bit when we, when we sing it, it's almost like it's our version of the hacker essentially like um, New Zealand doing the rugby. Uh, you know, that's the thing is I think whenever we did sing in the stadium that there was no drum and no trumpet last year. No, no, trump no trumpets were allowed because aerosols or something. I, I don't know. I think everybody getting sweaty and throwing beer on each other is yeah. not going to spread any, less covid than someone playing the <laughs> trumpet but what do i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, we've again we've seen the videos of you singing it and you sing it very well well I'm very proud of you thanks you probably can't <laughs> the southern accents man if, if anybody is not from either the, uh england or is not from the south they're probably listening to this podcast right now listening to both of our accents going i have no idea what's going <laughs> yeah. on right now <laughs> i was going to say before we started this if you need me to slow down my talking or anything just let me know i <laughs> uh, i know i can run it on thick and i'm sure it's the same way for you but i have family members that i need a translator for i'm like i have no <laughs> idea what they're saying their accent is just so heavy man yeah yeah ever heard somebody pronounce the word fire as far like f-a-r <laughs> no because <laughs> that is most of my family they they'll pronounce it as far and oh drives me nuts <laughs> we have um i live in a place called the black country uh we have what we call yam yams and that is essentially a different language uh instead of you it's yow um at dog is yaml I don't know how, but dog is yamel. The, the, a, a, a black country phrase, am yow, taking yow yamel down the bunk, which means, are you taking the dog for a walk? I've no idea how you get from one of those senses to the other, but they, it, honestly, real thick black country is essentially a different language. Uh, and I'm surrounded by that every day. So yeah, I, I often need a translator. <laughs> I, I didn't know 
I needed to know that phrase. I'm going to drop that on my roommates whenever <laughs> they get home. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, Mark, I cannot, I can't thank you enough, man, for coming on. Uh, I know it's late, so I'll let you go, but I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. No worries. Thank you for having me. I've, I've enjoyed every second. As I say, anytime you want me, I'm, uh, I'm here. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Cheers. Wow. I mean, what an amazing interview. Mark is a great guy. And yeah, uh, like I said, it's going to be a long episode. I have a few things I want to say before this ends. Something I think about the Birmingham City job, especially the ownership, because that seems to be the big thing right now, is it reminds me of a lot of the Bengals ownership, if you're big in the NFL. I mean, the Brown family does enough to sell some jerseys, sell some merch, they're good enough to make money, but not bad enough to lose it. And that almost feels like the ownership with the with the Blues. I I don't know. I think Mark summed it all up really, really well. He kept a level head, but still you could tell there's a lot of, a lot of passion there. If you've seen Fat Lads Go and Goal, you know that there is not always a level head there, but that's okay. We're all passionate about something, and I think that's perfectly fine. But yeah. I cannot thank you enough for listening. Go go follow Mark on Twitter and follow this uh, podcast on YouTube. Go subscribe. It's called Hammering Down. I think you'll enjoy it, especially seeing how pretty Mark got for the video. It's awesome. But yeah, thank you so much for listening and keep hammering on, guys.